0: I'm Casey Cook with Casey Cook Farms in Georgetown, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello, Texas. We are marching straight toward Christmas right here on Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the cattle market is ending the year with a bang. We ran fed cattle prices up to 140. That's levels we haven't seen in several years. Of course, we backed off of that a bit here at the end of the year, but still, cattle prices are very good heading into 2022 and we'll talk more about that to kick off today's show my name is carrie martin i'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the lone star state and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture from the piney woods of east texas to the rocky ranges of the trans pecos and from the panhandle down to the rio grande valley
3: We're taking the bad with the good in the Texas High Plains right now. More bad news for our wheat farmers, but really good news for our area cattle feeders. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: Winter livestock grazing conditions being influenced by dry conditions across most of the state and wildfires in the panhandle. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
5: This is James Duncan in Marshall. It may be holiday season and the new year just around the corner, but the festive mood has lost some of its bloom over fertilizer prices and lack of moisture for our East Texas forages.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cattle market has certainly ended the year with a bang, with fed cattle prices running up to levels we haven't seen in several years. Texas A&M Livestock Economist David Anderson says one reason for the recent price jump is a tightening of supplies of higher quality beef. Uh, I think one of the things we have going on is a little bit tighter supplies of higher end stuff like choice and prime. We continue to see fewer cattle grading choice than a year ago. And as our steer slaughter has been a little bit less than uh, what we had last year, that means some tighter supplies of those higher end, uh, you know, the, the choice and prime. Uh, and that happens to be exactly what our consumers are demanding is is they like those higher USDA quality grades. And so that's really working in our favor. Anderson says slaughter capacity is also on the increase and that's giving cattle feeders more leverage when negotiating prices. You may be getting a new farm survey in the mail from USDA soon.
6: This month, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is mailing out around 75,000 surveys to farmers across the nation asking for demographic and basic farm information. According to the National Agricultural Statistics Service, the surveys will help USDA improve knowledge and understanding of agricultural producers and will help USDA improve services. The 2021 Farm Producer Survey is voluntary. Farmers can fill the survey out and mail it back or respond online at agcounts.usda.gov. That is agcounts.usda.gov. If you receive a survey in the mail, the deadline to respond is January 18th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
2: Long waits for parts and supplies continue for Texas farmers and ranchers. Cody Fletcher is with A-Team Feeders in Bushland, just west of Amarillo. He says the biggest shortage problem he's having in the feed yard is with trucks.
3: Feed trucks right now are, if you have a feed truck, don't sell it. (laughs) Keep it, that's for sure. And then parks and stuff like that have been have been a chore. As far as our medicine and stuff, that stuff has stayed good. Uh, We had a a little problem with distillers there for a minute, but other than that, it wasn't, not so much in the feed yard, but other places we've we've seen problems getting things. Yeah, pickups and and, uh, feed trucks and and semis and, and parts for those have been a chore.
2: Fletcher says higher feed costs are also causing him to be very careful on the price he pays for cattle coming into the yard there's some good and bad news for Texas High Plains agriculture.
3: James Hunt covers them both from Amarillo. Going to the bad news first, even though it will take a little more time for a full assessment, there's little question that last Wednesday's brutal winds took a toll on winter wheat in our area. Steely Fishbacher of Texas Wheat Producers says the severity of the impact varied around the Texas High Plains.
7: We had some areas in the further north half of the Panhandle or maybe the northeast corner where they had higher winds for a longer period of time than maybe what we saw Amarillo south and so that had an impact. But I think kind of the main takeaway we have from what we're hearing from our farmers is it all really depended on a combination of the health of that wheat crop when it came into that Wednesday, December 15th, as well as the region you were in and how strong and how long those winds
3: were blowing. Of course, a lot of our area wheat was already in bad shape due to our prolonged dry spell. Fishbocker says Texas Wheat Producers is working with USDA to get last week's wind event qualified for assistance through the WIP Plus program, which has already been extended to cover drought situations. It's been hard times for our wheat farmers this season for sure. But I did say we had some good news to talk about. We do, and it's this. After a fairly long period of bleak conditions for area livestock producers, fed cattle prices have gotten a lot stronger lately, and Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says profits per head have been improving.
8: We've been talking about it being in the red for quite a few months. I think last month I told you we were in the black about $50. Today we're in the black about $100 on average on a cash basis.
3: We'll go a little deeper on the cattle feeder situation with Brady Miller in tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: It has been a warm fall for most of Texas, so what does the winter outlook look like? Tom Nicoletti takes a look. For uh,
4: this uh, season's outlook, we go to uh, Tracy Tomasik. He is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist. As we, Tracy, take a look at the next three months, 90 days uh, across Texas, livestock conditions uh, during the winter months. And uh, what are you uh, hearing and seeing as far as uh, cattle, sheep, and goats, and, and how they're faring uh, going into these uh, coldest months of the year?
8: Reports from across the state uh, have quite a bit of variability. Pastures, the available forage, that's still out there as we enter into the cold winter months running pretty low in most places and you know other than what should be expected as down in south texas the deep south part of the state where the climate's generally a little more favorable for some winter forage growth
4: now some of that uh, winter forage up in the texas panhandle uh, may not be as abundant due to uh, recent uh, december wildfires so certainly uh, producers have, have to deal with that as well
8: What's good that you mentioned that, Tom, because not only was there not much forage up there to start with, uh, because of the last uh, you know, 60 days across much of Texas, and then especially in the Panhandle counties, just been well below average for, uh, rainfall uh, going through the end of the fall months. So not only was it dry up there, but then what was available had some frost and had been cured dry and crisp with uh, extreme wind that popped up last week, created some uh, very challenging. Challenging conditions that uh, had some devastating fire outbreaks to go along with it. So farmers and the ranchers up there are experiencing some challenging issues uh, that come with dry weather and high winds and the, the potential for wildfires.
4: That is TFB Livestock Specialist
2: Tracy Tomasek. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. High fertilizer prices and dry conditions are taking a toll on East Texas agriculture. James Duncan has an update from Marshall.
5: In the East Texas area, moisture is vitally important to our production of forages. And I know that this is the same everywhere you need moisture to grow grass. But our forages in East Texas sometimes lack the strength or quality that is needed in these forages. So we need a lot of moisture to produce more forage and we've been slight on moisture now for several weeks. Now our our green pastures got to growing good when the winter grass started first coming up. We had a little moisture, had the right kind of weather and got a real growth started but they are lagging behind now because of lack of rain and we needed those grasses to keep growing in this month of December right on through into early January and February that's when we most need that grazing grass. Now the reports are also showing higher fertilizer prices in the next year so this is going to be especially critical to us on nitrogen that adds woes to the producers the old slaughter cow market bull market has made a slight improvement in prices so we can cull out some of those cattle and use the money to buy fertilizer Year producers are really going to need to sharpen their pencils and tighten up their management procedures to get what they really need out of the land and the cattle that they have. The dream of having one cow, one acre is just not going to come true in 2022 because of cost. So you producers, get your gardens ready if you hadn't already started. And and know that you're going to have to have some fresh visits to make the year, even if you have to plant some of your flower beds to get the tomatoes growing. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today.
6: If you plan on teaching someone to use a firearm, there are a few things you should do to make sure the experience is a safe one. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And most horse wounds will heal if they're taken care of. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit SWAGCenter.org slash stress to learn more.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Most horse wounds will heal if they're taken care of. Dr.
2: Bob Judd discusses how to properly bandage a wound on a horse.
9: Bandaging equine wounds is important for lower leg wounds. However, the bandage and products applied on the wound must be appropriate for the type and stage wound you are treating. In general, all wounds below the knee and hock need to be bandaged, at least initially. Dr. Aaron Denny-Jones indicates in the Horse magazine that bandaging allows protection from insects, tissue support, stability of the wound, and warmth. Dr. Denny-Jones uses a bandage with dilute betadine or chlorhexidine on the wound and then wraps with dry cotton around the wound. This is called a wet-to-dry bandage, and the moisture helps to debride the wound and remove a lot of dead, contaminated tissue. However, it is important to use a dilute solution of about 10 mils or 2 teaspoons of these disinfectants to a quart of water as anything stronger will kill tissue and delay healing. After a few bandage changes, the wound will be healthier and in a healing state. You can also use SSD cream on the wound as an antibacterial under a non-stick dressing. It is important to use rolled cotton or a thick pad when wrapping these lower leg wounds to prevent affecting the circulation to the lower leg. The frequency to change a bandage depends on the wound, the environment, and the mobility of the wound site. I usually recommend daily bandage changes to evaluate the wound and then decrease the number of bandage changes after fluid production of the wound decreases. Most of these wounds need to be examined by your vet every week or so as proud flesh is a major problem in Texas and different bandaging techniques and different topical medications may be required depending on the stage of the wound. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: If you plan on teaching someone to use a firearm they may be getting for Christmas, there are a few things you should do to make sure the experience is a safe one. Jessica Dommel tells all about it in today's Wildlife Report.
6: If you plan on buying someone a new firearm or teaching someone to use one, there are a few things that you should do to ensure the experience is a safe one. Lieutenant Craig Cummings from the Texas Department of Public Safety joins us with a few key safety tips.
7: One of the things is to never point a firearm at anything that the person doesn't intend to shoot. It's wonderful to take someone out and show them the firearm to get them comfortable with it. But one of the things that we recommend is letting them take that firearm, hold it, get a feel for it, and then understand under very supervised conditions, the trigger pull that goes into it and what happens when that gun discharges so that when somebody is looking at the firearm, they understand that they're not to be pointing that gun at anyone. And they should treat every firearm as though it's loaded. You know, when I have my firearms, I've got two kids. um, Before I go to clean that firearm, I'll take it out and I'll rack that slide multiple times to make sure that the gun is absolutely empty. And we would recommend everyone do that to make sure that that gun is absolutely empty. And even then, when you're positive it's empty, never point it at anything that you don't intend to shoot. It takes just a brief second for that trigger to be pulled and just disastrous
6: strike. That was Lieutenant Craig Cummings from DPS. He encourages firearm owners to keep their firearms and ammunition safely stored out of reach of kids and inexperienced shooters. You can find some additional safe storage tips at safegunstoragetexas.com. That is safegunstoragetexas.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
2: We definitely saw a turnaround Tuesday in the agricultural markets following that big drop we had to kick off the week Monday. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: If you remember,
2: back on Monday's trade, we had mostly lower prices across the board. A lot of pressure coming from a big drop in the stock market as well as a drop in oil prices. Well, this was a classic example of turnaround Tuesday. Things definitely turned around and finished higher as the stock market recovered and oil prices recovered. Same story in our agricultural markets. December live cattle up $1.05 to end the day at $135.52. February up ninety five cents one hundred thirty six ninety two. April live cattle up a dollar seventeen one hundred forty one thirty five. The feeder market finishing higher January up one hundred sixty two at one hundred sixty eighty five. March feeder cattle up a dollar thirty two one hundred sixty one eighty two. April up a dollar sixty five one sixty five forty. We are not expecting to see much out of the cash fed cattle market with this being a holiday week. We did see a few light sales so far here in Texas. Those cattle sold at 135. That's 1 to 3 bucks lower compared to last week's average. Boxed beef mixed on Tuesday, choice up 33 cents to 26271, select down 88 at 24979. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, when you hear
0: auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to head to Fredericksburg up in the beautiful Texas Hill Country to talk to my longtime friend, Wayne Geiswhite, known him for 30-some-odd years. Wayne, how was your last sale of the season in Fredericksburg?
10: Well, we ended up with a good run. Had 1,285 head. Larry, cow market about steady. Had a lot of big old fat cows. Most of them all bring in the 60s. Or some of those odd-grade color cows bring up in the 70s. Uh, bulls up, you know, around in the mid-90s. And uh, didn't have a really good bull today, but they still sold pretty good. Cow market, I called it basically steady. We had lots and lots of bull cows today. Quality's kind of like last week. We didn't have a lot of real ones real high price kind of cattle around today still sold four weights up to you know four or two dollars five weights up to oh 190 six weights up to, uh we chopped out at 160 something today and seven weights kind of most seven weight cows bring 135 to 141 or two. Heifers, that was a little more activity in there. Uh, four-weight heifers up in the low 160s, five weights up to about 115, six weights you know, up to 135 or six. As far as my quotes, are not going to be quite as high, but I call it steady. I just didn't have that kind of caliber put on the market report.
0: That's the last sale of the year. Nothing next week, nothing the week after, so we're off two weeks and back when?
10: We'll come back, and our first sales will be January 4th and 5th. Tell everybody happy
0: holidays, and uh, remember, I'll talk to you during the holiday.
10: Okay, well, we'll appreciate everybody that's customers. We'll do everything we can for you. Hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we'll be here next year. And, neighbor, so will we.
0: We're walking the pens. I'm Larry Marble, part of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to
2: you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close sharply higher on Tuesday, February up 295 to close at 8242. April hogs up 207, 8557. Class three milk steady to higher. The nearby December unchanged at 1846. January milk up four at 1914, 100 weight. The cotton market turning around to close sharply higher, recovering the ground we lost on Monday. As we mentioned earlier, a higher stock market and higher oil prices helping to support cotton. March cotton up 173 points to close at 107.27. May up 140 points, 105.23. New crop December cotton up 34 points at 89.91 cents the corn market continuing to march towards $6 we added another 7 and a quarter on tuesday on the march contract it closed at 598 and a quarter may corn up 7 and a quarter 599 and a quarter new crop september corn up 6 and 3 quarters 567 and a quarter And we had a big jump in the wheat market on Tuesday. Dry conditions here in Texas all the way up through the plains helping to support this wheat market. I haven't seen any analysts talking about the wheat losses in the Texas panhandle from the windstorm last week but you have to imagine that's going to factor into the picture somewhere down the line. July Kansas City wheat up 25 and a quarter, closing at 8.29 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 18 and a half at 7.90 a bushel. In the energy markets, January natural gas up 2 cents, 386. February crude oil up 286 at 71.47 a barrel. The financial markets turned it around on Tuesday. The Dow up 560 points Tuesday afternoon, 35,492. The NASDAQ up 360 at 15,341, while the S&P was up 81, 4,649. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin, hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet,
1: Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,